0: Her name was Selman, first name Susie. In 1973, before the milk cartons or featured stories on the daily news, she was murdered by a neighbor when she was only 14 years old. She can't fully move on until the justice is served. Her family's challenge? Catch a killer few houses away from them when the trail goes cold. This is the story of Susie Selmon. Maya is the name, by all means necessary, is the game. I'm back, everybody, I'm back. I have taken some time off last month during the Minnesota time, so that's why you didn't have one. I was in Madrid, and then there was a whole fiasco with my job. Like, then I had to move houses. Thank you for your patience. We are back to fictional minisodes. We are back to having a a month, and then, like, the actual full episode. So, whether it is, because this movie also has somewhat some plots to do with miniatures and just like craftsmanship and you know how fixated I can get about miniatures. I don't have to mention if you listen to any single mini so on this channel. Or or because this is the only movie that Mark Wahlberg is in that I just don't despise, because I always had really off vibes about that man. Him and Tom Cruise, like the only two men within that realm of Hollywood where I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he's in Scientology as well. For all we know, for all we know, this is just speculation. Okay, I don't want to start conspiracy theories. I think partially it might be just because he gives me the Jim Bro vibes. And I'm like... Every single interview that I would see Mark Wahlberg in, he just talks about how fit he is and what he does to stay that fit. I'm like, is there anything more? Is there more substance to you? Yes, also I'm losing my voice. Um, We'll see if this mini-suit can even be recorded beginning to end. But what I need you to do is just put in the comments, just feed the delusion for one day, for one day. It's not my birthday, but feed the delusion that I sound kind of like Maya Hawke yeah you know my hope from stranger things come on come on now just feel the bloody delusion i die i die i might collapse and die but i would appreciate you forever so lovely bones is what i'm talking about today And we are jumping straight in. Susie Selman has been given a camera for her birthday. She always had dreams of becoming a wildlife photographer. However, she's living in the suburbs like the typical American street. So for now, she just has to resort to taking pictures of this girl trying to lose weight, skipping rope. And as she's the narrator of this story, she tells us about the worst thing to ever happen to her family. We see her little brother choking on a twig and nobody seems to have been at home whether they were at a mall or just buying groceries. So Susie immediately notices how urgent the situation is. She takes her brother, she scoops her little brother, puts him in the back of the car, and she is, at this point, at best, like 11 or 12. And she gets into that car and steps, steps on that clutch. So she gets him into the hospital, and we find out that luckily the brother had survived. So after that, obviously, the whole family is reflecting, and Susie tells us they just weren't that type of family. They weren't the unlucky people to whom bad things happened for no reason. And after her brother survived, grandma just looked at her and she predicted that she, Susie, is going to have a very long and happy life. This is when Susie tells us that story from the beginning, that her name was Salmon, like the fish, and first name Susie. That in 1973, before the milk cartons, before the stories and daily news, she was murdered when she was only 14 years old. And we see her in this mall. It's like a small town vibe. She's in this mall with her grandma. Her grandma is a character, okay? Her grandma is just smoking, drinking. It does no matter the time of day, she's on to, on to something. It's like, it reminds me of mine. I appreciate it. I love her grandma because her grandma, yes, she's drinking, yes, she's smoking, but she can also read the room. They're just in this shop when she sees Susie eyeing out this senior. She seems to be too shy to approach him. So grandma sits her down for a milkshake and again Susie and this senior are locking eyes. So grandma is saying like, you know what, did you even kiss him? Did you? No? Well, I'll tell you, my first kiss was with a grown man. Just go for it. Just go for it, Susie. You make the first move and you have fun. As they're walking through the mall, we see all of these people. Every one of them could be potentially Susie's murderer. But we find out that it's not a local creep. Her murderer was actually a neighbor of theirs. And we see Susie just on the weekend riding her bike as her family is checking out the garden of this neighbor just across the road, a few houses down, and Susie is riding her bike with her camera, snapping shots of everything, literally everything. So it's no surprise that she just takes a shot of this man as she was taking pictures of his flowers while just on her bike. You can't really see the face of the man, it's literally just hidden behind the rose. However, that wasn't the object of Susie's affection. It was the flowers. She wanted a picture of the flowers that her mom was picking from his garden. And next, you see that even though this man wasn't what Susie was intending to take a picture of, he got a new fixation. You see him drawing a hedge in his sketchbook, and this hedge is to be based below a cornfield and then. It seems like he just jumped right to work as soon as he sketched it. He started building a whole contraption of what the sketch was all about. As he's building this, we see Susie with her dad. And her dad seems to have a hobby, but it's a Different type of hobby. It seems like it's a more healthy type of hobby. He's crafting ships and then putting them inside of a bottle. So Susie's asking him about this like, what's the point? Like, you're not selling them, you're not making any profit. Like, what is the point? And her dad tells her that hobbies teach you things. You don't stop until you get it right, you continue until it's finished. Next day, Susie's crush comes up to her as she's just putting her books into the lockers. And he just interrupts her. She's obviously stunned. They lock eyes. There's so much chemistry between her and this crush. And this crush, let's call him Bart, okay? I don't know. (laughs) He's British and he's Bart. So Bart asks her what she thought of a play that they have seen. And he says, well, that's just yet another thing that we have in common. I love that play. And as Susie drops the books, obviously, because she's stunned, like her crush is talking to her, he puts a letter inside of her book and tells her, Susie, you're beautiful, Susie Salmon. Come out on a date with me. Mall, 7 p.m. Saturday. Let's meet there. So Susie now has a date. But that day after school, she decides to cut her way home through a cornfield. As she's cutting her way through the cornfield, we see her carrying that book, the book with the letter from the crush. But she doesn't still seem to notice that she has a letter in there. But because of how windy it was, the letter just falls out of her book. So she starts chasing it because she realizes, wait, this letter, it isn't mine. It means like Bart has put it into the book. And as she does, she comes across a man, a man that she knows, who says, oh, You're the salmon girl. This is just the perfect person for me to run into. I built this thing. It's just here in the middle of the field. And I need a second opinion because other kids in the neighborhood might like it. Susie's like, I really need to get home. Mr. Harvey. Yeah, this is me. But like, I just really need to get home for dinner. (sighs) But Susie, I worked so hard on it. So, Susie is really reluctant, but she decides to still go. Like, what's the damage? She decides to check it out. This man is a neighbor. He's a friendly face who she had seen on the street multiple times. So, he opens up the hatch in the middle of the cornfield. And this bunker, this underground basement is equipped with all of Susie's favorite things. So, with the prospect of being the first one to go in, she goes down this ladder And we see her family eating dinner. Her dad is trying to pacify her mom, saying we'll deal with her when she comes home. Her sister saying, I mean, she must have just stayed behind at a film club, like she'll be home at any minute. While at the bunker, the man is saying there's no adults allowed here. And this is when Susie finally realizes she's in big danger. She tells him, I have to get home. But the man says no. Stay for a drink. You're fourteen. You can already just have a drink with an adult. Do you have a boyfriend, Susie? Ah, oh, no. Great, cause I knew, I knew you were not like the other girls next you see her running through the field and you think like oh my gosh she's going to get like she somehow managed to escape she's going to get out of this man's bunker she might make it to the police and you see the parents calling the police and you really think she's going to be saved except it's not Susie this is her ghost the ghost of Susie is just trying to tell her dad who is showing the picture of her around the streets where she is She's screaming, but her voice cannot reach him because Susie Selman is already dead. Next, you see the police at the cornfield. It seems like it had been burned to the ground. They found crates, they found remains of some kinds of structure. However, the only thing that they found of Susie was her hat. And we have a flashback of Susie putting this hat on, the hat that her mom knitted for her and made her put on that morning because it was cold outside, that Susie hated. She already didn't consider herself to be really cool in school and she knew people were going to make fun of her. But they didn't find Susie. However, when her dad says, No, well, that's good information, right? Like there's no Susie, she might still be alive. The police officer on the case tells him, No. Because they found a huge amount of blood. like There is no way that Susie is still alive with that amount of blood found. We then see the ghost of Susie witnessing her own blood. And this man cleaning it up. The same man that took her into that bunker. As the police is just going door to door. They're questioning everybody in the neighborhood. This man is rushing. He's cleaning clothes. He's hiding shoes. They knock on his door right as he hides these bloody shoes. And he says, super smart-ass behavior, I know why you're here. Whenever this happens, you wonder, why didn't I see something? Why didn't I do something? So they sit him down and there's two police officers, right? One of them is just across from him, sitting down, questioning him, while the other one is walking and inspecting the house. So the one that's sitting across from him shows him a picture. And he sees a picture of Susie wearing a bracelet. And we see the same bracelet right in between those detectives. In between the miniatures of these houses that this man had been crafting. And one of them is just walking around. But he keeps his cool. Harvey keeps his cool, saying he has been home all day. So the police officers start asking him about the miniature houses, like... You have a hobby, like do you sell them? Like what are you doing with them? And he manages to get up and just slip that bracelet into his pocket just in time. And even though all of the red flags are here, like if you watch this movie, you're like, you really let him go? Like you really nothing sparked like the interest? This man was Hermione Granger in the fucking room, being like, oh my god, every time this happens, like how many times did it happen? How many times? This man was also like, as they were inspecting the miniatures, just peeking through the windows at the police officers on the other end. And no, they just leave. They just leave. So, of course, this allows him enough time now to also dispose of the bracelet. We lose the sight of the bracelet for a while. However, we see the ghost of Susie find that letter from the book. It just seems as she's stuck somewhere in between. She can't still let go. She needs to help her family find her. And this letter, well, she would have wanted to read it alive. It seems to be a love poem from the guy. And we see him just sitting at the mall. Because the way that Susie got to listen to this poem was because there was a random girl. This girl that is kind of like more connected to the spiritual. Let's call her Kim. She found this letter when it flew away that night. So she finds Bart at the mall and she tells him like, hey, I think this is for you. You can see clearly that he had already heard the news, he's not in the mood to talk, he knows that the body still hadn't been found. So the girl asks him, what if she isn't dead? What if she's still here? And the two of them just become friends in this really weird grieving sense. But you just see that the two of them have bonded over something really traumatic. And while that is happening, Susie herself bonds with another ghost. This ghost named Holly tells her that she is in between and this is why she still can't let go. But she needs to. If she wants to move on, if she wants the family to move on, she needs to let go of them. So Susie now trying to decide what to do, she sees her parents doing the same, not letting go. Her dad is doing everything. Her dad broke all of those bottles with the ships in them, but also she realizes others aren't the same. Other people really wanted to move on, and that is what the killer was aiming for. At this point, months have passed, and no one was even looking at him. Nobody suspected this man at all. So he even took the liberty of keeping the pendant from that bracelet. But he didn't understand just how much a father could love the child. Her younger brother comes into the room realizing that she, Susie, still appears in his dreams, in his real day-to-day life too. And the dad remembers, oh my god, Susie's rolls of film. That morning, just before Susie's disappearance and her going to school... The parents argued with her, how the hell did she already use up like all of these rolls of films? Like they have bought multiples. They have bought like tens and dozens of them. They don't have enough money to develop them. But now now this might be a clue. So the dad goes into the box, and he is going into the mall and developing these multiple roles of film. And as he's doing that, he's also doing his own investigation. Her dad was a sleuth. Like, he would ring up libraries, home offices, like everybody. He would ring up people, find out people's addresses, find out their criminal records, the janitor. Did you hear about the janitor? The person from two houses down, they, they are suspicious as well. It must have been somebody she knew. Because his daughter would never walk away with a stranger. So it is somebody local. He creates this whole scrapbook of people, possible suspects. And he's calling the same police officer that is there from the beginning, that is on top of this investigation, just constantly, like, pestering him multiple times a day. So, of course... You know, you can imagine how that would have affected the investigation. We hear this conversation where the mom is in the background and the dad is, like, trying to convince her that it's the guy across the street. And the wife says, well, he's, like, 80 years old. So finally, it brings the police officer back to the house. And he says, we know it's been 11 months, it's hard, but your wife isn't coping well. So... She just needs to let it go. Like, don't you see how this is ruining everything? It's ruining your marriage. It's ruining how you have your relationship with your kids. What this calls for is the grandma, the badass grandma, being back in charge. Susie's sister, Lindsay, try to escape from grandma's crazy drinking schedule. And she goes for a run with her dog. And the dog stops in front of Harvey's house, stops in front of Susie's killer's house, and just starts barking mad at it. So this man is in a car, which is like immediately creep, like why are you sitting just in your own driveway in a car? So he gets out after spotting her. Again, with the same line, you're a salmon girl, right? We hear Susie say, my killer could feed off of a memory for a long time. But then he'd need emptiness returning, and the need would rise in him again. While the killer is now properly going full on creep, watching the couples make out in the cornfield during the summer, the mom finally just realizes she can't cope. She found a job in an orchard as far away from home as possible, and it was that type of hard work that would keep her mind off of things. We see Susie watch her sister's first kiss, and you see her shed a couple of tears, and the ghost of Holly that is stuck with her in the in-between says, well, why are you crying? Aren't you happy for your sister? She says, I am. I am really happy, but this is the moment that I would never have. She would watch over her crush, Bart, and wonder, is he thinking of moving on? Because she would now see him with this weird girl who isn't herself. Whatever Susie's sister Lindsay would do, whether it was play catch, whether it was go for a walk with her boyfriend, whether it was just go for her run, she would somehow always come across the same house. The house where a man was flipping through the pages and he had now compiled all of the articles about Lindsay Selmon, All of those articles mentioning her school accomplishments, the gifted students in the area with her picture attached to them. He had fine-tuned instincts. He knew. She began to wonder about the man living in the green house. And he had a familiar itch. He starts sketching again, starts crafting. By this point, we see her dad finally taking one last roll of film that was left in that box and developing it at a mall. He's looking at the picture of the roses. It is all of the pictures that she had taken that day on the bike. And he remembers the day of Susie riding her bike and sees it clearly. A greenhouse with a man just hiding behind the rose, out of focus. Susie's dad decides to stop by by the greenhouse. And Ghost of Susie intervenes. So the man was just going out building his new contraption and he drops the branches when he sees Susie's dad. So the dad obviously gets out of the car he's like oh my god let me help you out when he asks him what he's building harvey says it's a trap for ducks and the dad asks do those things really work yes it's all about the art of concealment so the dad actually physically takes the branches and starts helping him with this trap not knowing that this trap is now for his other daughter because harvey had already set his eyes on lindsay The dad, however, feels a really weird energy, he just knows at this point. So he loses it, screaming at him. What did you do with her? What did you do with my daughter? And the man runs inside, so her dad just slams on the door, breaking Harvey's door. Next, we see the police officer, who was on this case from the very beginning, at the Salmon household, telling the dad off, saying, it's great, this man didn't press charges. And Lindsay comes down the stairs saying, I mean, my dad might be right. But the cop's saying, doesn't matter if he's right. We don't have anything. We need evidence. So the dad says, I mean, Lindsay, it's fine. I just need to finally accept it and move on. But that line stuck with her sister. That line stuck with Lindsay. Evidence. We need to find something concrete. In life, Susie Salmon hated no one. But now hate is all she had. Her dad, possessed by the rage, of course, hasn't given up. He puts the kids to sleep that night and he takes a bath. He follows Harvey into the field. But this creep by now knew that there are going to be couples around in the cornfield. So what he does is he hides in between the corns. And accidentally Susie's dad attacks the wrong man. And this man beats the living shit out of him. Susie's dad is now in the hospital, fighting for his life, and the ghost of Susie takes over to tell us about all of Harvey's previous victims. Because if you have suspected anything from the moment that the police entered his house, this guy was a serial killer. He has seen other people go missing, and he has known how to respond to those types of queries, the door-to-door checks before. We see the first victim was the other ghost she met in the in-between and we learn about all of them. There's at least six, seven of the victims that even Susie had heard about in the in-between and the close-up shows us what he's staring at, at this basement where he's just moving that pendant in between his fingers, a big metal safe where we are supposed to believe he keeps Susie's body inside of his own house. Had the police just had probable cause, just had a warrant, they would be able to find Susie. Lindsay is on her other run, and it seems like it's one of those community runs. She's running with other people, and she pretends to be out of breath. She tells them she's going to catch up. But instead, because she's a Salmon sister after all, what she does is she goes by the basement window and she kicks it with her foot. She breaks into the house by breaking that window, passes by that safe in the basement and goes upstairs snooping. She finds the newspaper clippings, but still nothing concrete. And we see Harvey approaching the house as she's manically just opening the drawers in the room because, of course, somebody like him would keep something like this, any sort of evidence, close to himself. She hears, as she's just about to leave this room, the floorboard creak. So this leads us to one of the most iconic scenes from the early 2010s. And this is when Susie lifts that little floorboard and she discovers a sketchbook. The sketchbook that we have seen before with the whole plan, everything. There's a salmon house. There's a map to Susie. There is the hatch. There is the exact location where the hatch was. And of course, there's a clipping of Susie's hair. Harvey has now entered the house, and he knows, because he has been a loner his whole life, he knows when there's other human presence inside. But he decides to first check on the basement, because that's where he stored Susie's body in that safe. However, as he's checking the basement, he hears Lindsay desperately trying to put the floorboard back in, without making that floor squeak. However, of course, he has set this floorboard up in particular, in order to hear any sort of squeaks. He hears her and starts running towards the room. However, she's a runner. Lindsay opens up the window and jumps out of it and immediately legs it back home with that sketchbook. She manages to run away, and upon arriving her home, her mom is at the doorstep. Her mom is finally back. We see her dad is back from the hospital. He is recovering. He is back home. And we see Harvey on the other end of that same street, packing up his bags as he is on the run. When her grandma asks Lindsay where she had been, she just hands over the handbook. And you think, okay, that's it. However, this guy hadn't gone on his run on his own. We see him coming to the scrapyard, one of those places where you just roll your junk into a ditch. And here Susie would have never been found. However, this guy tells him, we are close today. But Harvey doesn't give up. He bribes his way in and even gets this guy to help him take this metal safe from his car. And they do the slow-mo roll from the car at the slowest pace towards this ditch. As Susie is in between, finally saying goodbye to everybody. But you think it can't be, they just won't push it over. Because she will never be found and he will never be caught. However, the Sixth Sense girl, the one that was now chatting with her crush with Bart, well, she sees this happening from the window She calls for Bart, and then she just faints. And just as Susie's body in this metal safe is pushed over that ditch, the crush, Bart, finally kisses this six-cents girl, imagining Susie Salmon instead of her. These were the lovely bones that had grown around my absence. The connections, sometimes tenuous, sometimes made at great cost, but often magnificent, that happened after I was gone. And I began to see things in a way that let me hold the world without me in it. As for Harvey, he didn't end up in prison. He was at this car park in the middle of the winter, just tried chatting up yet another girl at the parking lot, his prospective victim, as this whole ice cube that had formed on the tree above falls on him and it makes him slip. So as the soil is poured into the ditch, at that scrapyard where the safe is in, where Susie's body is, we see Harvey fall to the bottom of yet another ditch, never to be found. Nobody notices when we leave. I mean the moment when we really choose to go. My name is Salman, like the fish. First name Susie. I was 14 years old when I was murdered. I was here for a moment and then I was gone. I wish you all a long and happy life. That is it. that is the movie Lovely Bones. I don't know why I have only just googled it, but this movie doesn't have like great reviews. That's like understatement of the day. The reviews on it are really shit, and people are saying how like the book is better. I remember reading the book, and I always agreed that the book is better, but I also didn't really mind the movie. What were your opinions on it what? were your thoughts, like, of the in-between? Because I think that's what fascinated me, because the movie came out, what, in 2009? So, yeah, it was literally when I came to the UK, and it was one of the first things that I have watched, I think, in the cinema, and have also, yeah, read a book. But I didn't get that feeling that I get sometimes with books where I can't stand the movie because I'm like, oh, my God, you ruined it for me, and I can't watch it for the longest time. Maybe it's because of Saoirse and how she played this role, but also... Maybe it is because, I don't know, I just was fascinated by certain scenes that are by now just iconic when it comes to her sister, the bond within that family and just the incapability to move on. I don't know, there was something there for me. Yeah, I did not, like, there were certain frustrations when it comes, obviously, from somebody who covers true crime about the killer never being caught, just being, dying by accident, the justice never truly being served. However, I don't know, it was more to do with the spiritual. And that was also the point of the book, from what I remember right. Because that's the whole point of her being just stuck in between, trying to help her whole family find some justice for her, or at least figure out who it was. I think that was what the main purpose was for the writer, for the family, to know, to make peace with who this was, that it was just somebody they knew down the road, rather than actually put him in prison forever and ever, and also preventing him from harming her sister or anybody else. But you let me know what you guys think about this one. I will be back in a fortnight with another big case. The next three patterns from if I if I think this right, if I think this through right, are going to be just mysterious deaths. So it's not going to be so much focus on like the motives of the killers as I'm just doing like really deep dives on the main channel. Make sure you follow the main channel. I will put a link in the description box. And until then... Let me know what other fictional story you want me to cover, whether it is a book, whether it is an episode of a series, or whether it is yet another movie. And in doing so, keep making this world a better place. One motive at a time. Bye, fuckers.